Hello and welcome to Audio Mission from the Church Mission Society, CMS. I'm Trevor Smith. August sees many short-term mission teams heading off on trips of just a few weeks to connect with Christians in another culture. Others are preparing to travel for a gap year or a career break. This month, we meet five people who have all been involved in short-term mission from three months to two years. New to CMS are Alan and Lex Hamilton, a young couple just finishing life with the RAF where Alan was a chef. We spoke to them at CMS just a month before they set off to Southeast Asia for Asia Gateway, the mission training program run by Asia CMS. Jeremy Woodham asked them more about their future and how they came to be getting into mission just a year after Alan became a Christian. My wife one day woke up uh, a couple of years ago and said, do you fancy going on mission? And I, I wasn't a Christian at the time, and I was like, the idea of going out and doing aid work is brilliant. That sounds fantastic. I'll support my wife with her Christian beliefs. Um, and then shortly after, the opportunity came up for Christianity Explored, which yeah, I then it. took part in, and the Holy Spirit definitely moved in me. And I became a Christian, got baptised, and now we're here in a, our application, going through, ready to ready to leave. So, uh, amazing story there. Just take us back where what was your situation two and a half years ago you were in the RAF I, I was in the RAF I still so I'm just finishing my career in the RAF and we were on base uh, going about our jobs I was I was you know chefing and things yeah and I was going to church with Lex so you were just uh, going to church to yeah basically keep her happy to, to, yeah I, did, I didn't want to be the guy that was leaving my wife at the church door and then walking off being like bye I thought you know I'll go in and support my wife I've always been even when I wasn't a Christian, I was supportive of her faith. And then when the opportunity to Christianity Explored came around, it was, if nothing else, I'll learn more about Christianity so I can understand my wife's belief more. And then the Holy Spirit just completely turned me around and it's it's just been the most amazing experience. Um, did that change your thinking about what you were going to do? Yes, massively. <laughs> I was thinking I was going to go out there and do all, all the physical things, just help people, like feed them, you know, build houses and that, that sort of stuff. And, and that's, that is great. And I look, I hope that's definitely part of it, but definitely helping people, you know, bring, bring them to Jesus and really helps, you know, save them and, and, and really help them at a spiritual level. How did you get into the RAF? I thought I'd be going like you see in the adverts, like hanging bags of rice out the back of vehicles and, and really helping people and all those things that you see. And then it wasn't quite that way. There's a lot of going to the Fortlands and a lot of exercises in the UK and very, very sort of... T- I know it's you kind of expect it, but military focused. There wasn't a lot of outwardly helping people as I thought there would be. Mm-hmm. Lex, you've always had a an inkling that you wanted to be involved in mission. Is that right? Yes, I think from like teenage years I mean I used to go to Soul Survivor and New Wine I used to see all the mission stands and think oh you know how could I do this how can I get into it and um, pushed a lot of doors when I was younger I mean I've been out to Rwanda before for for a short term and that was amazing I didn't want to come back but I came back and and it still didn't seem the right time I uh, went out and lived in Australia for a year before Alan and I got married and and that was, again, an amazing time and God really spoke to me there. But um, I came back fully thinking I'd dive off not long afterwards after coming back from Australia. And then I managed to get married to Alan and end up in the RAF so I couldn't move anywhere, <laughs> which was a little frustrating. But then um, we knew that our time in the RAF was coming to an end. And um, 
I was then prayerfully on my own at that time, kind of seeking um, seeking God's will and, and really thinking, okay, this seems like the right time. We're moving anyway. You know, if Alan's game, he might not be a Christian yet, but if he's willing to at least, you know, come along, um, then that's great. Um, but God's kind of done that. He's opened that door and then some, you know, the fact that Alan's a Christian now and the fact that he shares that, that heart for mission. Like I really can see where Alan's heart for mission has always been there, but just not in the Christian context. So it's kind of become fruitful now in that, that sense of he's, it's found a place, it's found its home. Were you always confident that Alan would come to share your faith? Um, God had always said, you know, just have faith that it will happen. You know, I had a lot of prayer, even in Australia, we weren't particularly together, but I was prayerfully seeking God about our relationship. Um, kind of knowing that I had this call to mission and thinking, you know, some Christian guys don't have the call to mission, so how is this going to work with a non-Christian? Um, but I, I really felt that God was saying, no, I'm, you know, the first thing I'm calling you to do is love him and have faith. So how did you come to be going where you're going? I really wanted to do a short-term mission trip. So we looked into that and we had a friend in Cambodia. Um, we both have always had an affinity with Asian culture in general. So we thought, great, you know, we'll go out to Cambodia, find an NGO. And so we went out for a couple of weeks in October last year. And again, that was amazing. It was, we, it just totally confirmed to us, this is what we want to do. We're confident that God's got a place for us. Um, but for whatever reason, we don't know that yet. And how long are you looking at going for in this initial phase? So we are signed up short term, but it's always been with a view of we we are fully willing to do this for the rest of our lives. Um, so we've got two years to begin with. So we've got two years to kind of discern, okay, where how is God leading us? Where is God leading us? Let's pray for Alan and Lex as they train with Asia CMS and for all the final arrangements still being put into place at the time of recording for their placement in Southeast Asia. Now we head to Latin America and Ecuador and a short-termer who recently returned from the city of Santo Domingo. Arena Dale took her physiotherapy skills to the Life in Abundance project in Santo Domingo that was set up by former mission partner Jill Ball to provide care, therapy and education for children with disabilities. Sarah Holmes asked her how her call to be involved in mission came about and the tensions between mission and career. Since probably university when I was studying physiotherapy I it was something that I really wanted to do and I actually wanted to do it straight after university. But in the end, I got a job in Britain and it was better actually that I got experience first. Um, And I managed to get experience in paediatrics just before I left for Ecuador. So again, God kept sort of opening up a new door um, for me to be working in Britain. And then the time came when it was possible to to look into actually going abroad. And how did you know about mission? Is it something you found out when you were young? Um, Yeah, my, um, my dad was involved in open doors before the revolution in Romania smuggling bibles out there and then as a child after the after the revolution we used to go out with him just delivering aid or different things like that so i guess i've sort of been aware of it and around sort of different different mission um, or at least it's been you know it's been very close to home um, so it's always been something i've been interested in 
And is it something that you would recommend? Yeah, I think it's really important to, to get away from just the, the British mentality or the, you know, you study, you get a job, you, get, you know, you just get going with that and it's about getting money or getting your house or all the different steps in our Western society. And I think it's really, really valuable just to, to give that time to God and just be open to him and see what he might want to teach you or what he might want you to be involved in and to, to get out of the mentality of... Um, all being about job progression or money um, and actually see what what God wants to tell you or teach you or, or wants wants you to wants, wants you to do the year that I went there weren't as many children in the school with physical disabilities so as a physiotherapist going for that was a bit of a problem for me to think you know am I meant to be here or what am I meant to do with the time that I would have been seeing more children so it was quite a test you know just to trust God that he still wanted me to to be there and had had um, things for me to do and things to teach me. I had one little boy who had uh, muscular dystrophy. Um, so with him, he got to a stage where he couldn't stand anymore. So it was more doing just stretches to maintain his muscle length because he was starting to get quite tight in his ankles and his knees and losing range of movement. And also just to keep strength. So we just did exercises in kneeling, just simple exercises using his hands. So he, he maintained that strength, maintained his um, trunk strength. So exercising sitting or long sitting or kneeling um, just to make it fun as well and rolling and just different crawling that kind of thing um, and then another little girl I had she had um, she had some syndrome where it just delayed her whole development so speech intellect and physical ability so with her it was a lot of a lot of games to getting her to to practice standing up from the floor because she was at the age of five she wasn't able to get up herself balancing on one leg or um, crawling, putting objects into things, throwing and catching, just just the sort of basic things that you'd, you know, you'd be expecting two, two three-year-olds to be starting to do. Um, so yeah, with her, it was a lot of fun. We did bits with music. She was very mm. responsive to, to music. And so now you're back in the UK, what are your plans? I'm planning to look again for a physiotherapy jo- job. Um, I'm hoping to get a job in neurology which is the area I'm most interested in and I when I was in Ecuador I was able to treat a lady with brain injury um, throughout my time there and it was the particular thing that I was really inspired by and really interested in, in building up that relationship so it's yeah I'd like to find a job in neurology but but I'm also very open to if God wants to lead me somewhere else um, I think that's partly what I've learned is just it being the most important thing in life is just to be in the will of God and to be um, obeying him and and seeking him so I think I'm open to to anything that might come along <laughs> pray for Irina's future and for God to lead her clearly pray too for life in abundance in Ecuador where mission partner Sharon Wilcox is still working to establish a life skills program for older teenagers with learning disabilities It's not just young, single people who can get involved in short-term mission. Gavin and Hannah Steele and their three children took the plunge and went to Makono in Uganda for three months, where Gavin, a GP, worked in the hospital, and Hannah, a theologian, taught at Uganda Christian University. Nomi Rose Steinberg asked them what the reaction of friends and family was to this decision. We got a lot of, isn't there Ebola? (laughs) In Uganda, so we had to show people a map of Africa and you realise how people 
just assume that, you know, Africa is a country and they don't realise it's a continent, so you had to do a lot of geography education initially. Um, some people thought we were mad, taking our children out of school for three months, putting them through many vaccinations to be able to go and, you know, raising the money to do that. I think people thought we were, some thought we were a bit crazy, but some people thought this was a brilliant idea and our families really supported us, although it was hard for our parents, taking their grandchildren away from them for three months. They were um, very supportive and on reflection it was the best decision we ever made to go. What were the boys' reaction when you told them that this was, how were those conversations brokered? We were quite nervous about telling them in a way because I think there was a long period where we weren't quite sure whether this was going to happen or not and we didn't really want to drop this on them unless we were pretty sure it was going to happen but we also wanted them to be part of you know, I guess part of the final process where we said yes to it um, but the day that we t told them that we thought you know we might do this as a family we were quite stunned by their reaction weren't we that they were so positive about it and they thought was, yeah this would be an exciting adventure. So were you familiar with CMS at all before you contacted? Yes mm. so my about? sister went out as a mission partner with CMS to Tanzania in the 1990s so um, we'd had involvement with um, them through that and yeah, I was always aware of CMS and actually it's, I think when we looked it up on the website, we were like, it's vision is really what we are about. It's doctrinal basis. It's kind of aims was all that we could really have, have hoped for. And actually when we went on the um, CMS training, we just loved the kind of theological heartbeat of CMS. And we were so glad to have gone with CMS because it really echoed with our values and our um, hopes as well, I think. So what do you feel like was your biggest surprise, I mean, in terms of expectation, reality, um, during your time there? It's quite hard to put your finger on one thing, isn't it? Because I think, I remember the first few days we were just so blown away by every difference um, that there was. Um, I think we were quite surprised at the level of poverty, I think, just as a general thing. Yes, I think we thought there would be wealthy Ugandans and perhaps kind of, you know, reasonably well-off Ugandans and then poverty. But there seemed to be very wealthy Ugandans and poverty. You know, everyone seemed to live with a certain... Yes. The vast majority seemed to live with a certain level of, of poverty and people are just one day's pay away from not being able to feed their families. And I think that was yes. shocking and... Um, a surprise to us. What do you think, um, now, so you've, now that you've spent three months in Africa and with the church there, what do you think um, kind of Western Christians can learn from, from African Christianity or African spirituality? I think one of the things we were most struck by was how every meeting we went to, every prayer meeting, the first thing people always pray for, you know, or the, the thing that people always pray for, was just thanks for being alive. And I think initially we just sort of thought this was maybe almost slightly ritualistic and uh, but we actually realized the more time we were there how genuine and heartfelt this prayer was that you know we were here at this prayer meeting last week and we're still alive and we're here here for this week and as, as especially I think being there over new year the amount of prayers just you know thankful that people were living to see 2015 and I think people are just very grateful for every breath that they that they have and that God gives them and I, I just because Death is never very far away, um, and 
I think just that gratitude where we just take that very basic thing for granted um, was one of the things that struck us most. Do you anticipate a return to Africa, do you think? Is that a watch this space kind of situation? Or? I think it's a watch this space really, isn't it? We're still processing it and thinking it through. I think we both feel in our heart our involvement with McConnell is not finished, but we don't know quite what that means or looks like yet. Obviously the Garissa yeah. you know, makes it very challenging and very difficult and so I think we feel we are just processing the amazing experience we had, keeping going the immediate bits of support you know we can do we've already managed to raise a bit of finances for a few of the cases that we met out there through our friends back home which is great and um, um, keeping in touch with people out there and doing initial bits of support that we can and then I think it's just a case of praying and seeking how um, the Lord wants us to to go back or what or how he wants us to further our kind of commitment to the people of Magono. So a rather pointed question now there are people out there who say that kind of this aspect of what CMS does, this sending Westerners to non-Western countries, is very oh, is over, is passe, and a certain ex- to a certain extent shouldn't be done anymore. And I'm wondering, um, I'm wondering sort of what your reaction to that um, kind of presupposition is, um, having experienced what you've experienced. I mean, I think. Firstly, I would say we discovered that mission is a two-way street and that we gained so much from the experience ourselves as a family that, you know, we weren't so presumptuous as to assume we were going to go and save Uganda. We were aware that we would gain probably more from the experience and we, you know, we really did. But also the, the people we met were so, so keen and so desiring of our involvement and I think it depends how you engage in your mission work if you think you're going over there to save the world then that's not the right perspective but if you're actually going to train and resource and work alongside um, local people I mean you Gavin can probably say more about that in terms of the legacy you leave in in the hospital you're not going there to do it yourself but to equip and, and help those who haven't had the resources and the training that you you have had Yes, I think the attitude is all important, and certainly from my point of view, is that I, I felt I learnt more medicine from the people I worked with than I, than I imparted, but I hope I imparted something. <laughs> so if there's another family of five out there thinking about, you know, pausing and going um, overseas for a few months, what would your advice be? Start your vaccinations early, because <laughs> vaccinating three children with all the necessary injections before you go took quite some uh, organising. Um, oh, we would, without a doubt, encourage you that if you feel that's what the Lord's saying you to do, to go and do it, because um, you never know what will happen and you never know how God will bless you and how he will use you. And I think one of the things that encouraged us so much was how God really used the children to be a blessing to some of the local kids that we met out there. I mean, I'm not able to go and play football with a load of um, 10-year-old boys who don't own a real football, but my sons can, and they were such an encouragement and a, a blessing to some of um, the people that we met out there. And I think, you know, don't underestimate how God can use you as a, as a family out there 
and the impact that it will have on your your children returning home as well. It's a it's a scary thing to do, but I, I think it's a a risk worth taking if it's one you feel the Lord's leading you to. Gavin and Hannah Steele proving that having a young family needn't stop you following God's lead even to East Africa. A reflection this month comes from mission partner Marcus Throop, who's based in Brazil with his family. Marcus works in theological education, and at CMS's Latin America conference Adelante, he spoke about the role of the Holy Spirit in mission. The Holy Spirit, as we read in John's Gospel, is the comforter. When things go wrong, he comforts us. When we get it wrong, he gives us that peace that transcends all understanding. And he sets us back on our feet, doesn't he? He is the comforter and he is the guide. He makes us aware of what needs to change in our lives. And by purifying us, he leads us into the glorious light of God. Comforter, guide and teacher. He teaches God's truth to us, renewing our heart and mind that we might walk in the truth. Now this is all intensely missional, actually. Because when we are comforted, so may we comfort others and bring Jesus' peace into brokenness. As the Spirit guides us, so we become a light on the way, a light that points to the greater and greatest light that is Christ Jesus. And as we are taught, we become apt to teach by our lives and our words. And in this way, we become witnesses to these things. Marcus Throop bringing this edition of Audio Mission to a close. Thank you for listening, thank you for praying, and do join us next month for more voices from God's global mission.